Welcome to Her Story Podcast. Son histoire à elle, un balado bilingue qui met en valeur non seulement le succès des femmes du Québec, mais qui souligne leur pratique et vie de tous les jours. I'll be talking with creative, successful and game-changing women who are inspiring and relatable in the ordinary and extraordinary lives they lead. Hey everyone, welcome to the future, 2020, symmetrical as fuck. And the Her Story podcast is starting out on a very interesting note. In certain lineages of Buddhism, one important meditation is that of death. Meditating on death can be an albeit peculiar way of appreciating this earthly life. I've been wanting to talk more deeply about the subject for a very long time, perhaps as a way to prepare for the inevitable, perhaps as a way to find some sucker and beauty in the greatest mystery of all. What better way to welcome in a new year than to contemplate death, not alone, but with other people who are around it and study it? After speaking to my guests on the death series, I'm reminded that we will never know what it is until we go through it and we will go through it. The dying remind us that under the layers and veneer of this mortal coil is a truth that we can access by opening our hearts, listening deeply, and being present with one another. And this is something my next two guests have practiced on a daily basis. First, Val Thomas used to work in palliative care as a spiritual aide in a public hospital here in Montreal. She talks about her experience with accompanying people in their final days and hours, how it has affected her personally, and the wisdom she's taken from her work. Does she have the answers? This interview blew me away, and I think you'll be touched by it too. So find your coziest chair, a cup of something warm, and settle in. Hi, Val. Hi. Welcome to the Her Story podcast. Thank you. So I'm so happy you're here because I've been trying to have you on the podcast from day one, from the moment I started the podcast. And it's taken some time and here we are. And I think it's the right time. I think it is the right time. Yeah. yeah. Just the, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so thank you so much for being here. Thank you. And I'm not even going to describe in my words what you do. I'd like you to do that because I think it's far more complex than, than me not really knowing exactly. So could you just describe what do you do? Sure. Um, well, it's more what I was doing. What you've done, yeah. 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 So I was working um, in spiritual care um, in a hospital, a public hospital, and it was um, on the palliative care unit. Um, so I was accompanying patients and their families through their last days and sometimes last months, but it's usually, you know, uh, yeah, about a few weeks on average that wow. we would have the patients around. Um, and part of that job was also responding to um, uh, calls throughout the hospital. So there could be sudden deaths on different units. Right. And they would call us and we would go and uh, either support the family or if they wanted a ritual with the patient who was either about to die or had already passed away, um, we would create a ritual with the family based on their beliefs, based on their uh, customs. If they wanted a priest, we would call a priest. If they didn't want a priest, we would 
in, kind of invent something, but wow. something meaningful and very, very, very simple. And very personalized. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Wow. Yeah. So I, I don't know if that's clear, but in a few words, that's kind of spiritual care um, in specifically towards end of life and uh, patients who either are in the process of um, passing away or have already okay. transitioned. That's just like, <laughs> I need to take a moment for that to land. <laughs> how do you, how does one get into this line of work? How did you get into that? Yeah. it's. <laughs> I mean, it's just such a fun, it's such an extraordinary thing to think that there is that type of thing. And you're, I mean, it's, it's non, um, it's like non-denominational and it's not, I mean, it's spiritual care, but it's not religious support or anything. It's, it's very much its own standalone um, thing. Yeah, exactly. And that's pretty new because it used to be uh, chaplains or really priests that would work in this yeah. field. And it was in Quebec, it was pretty much Catholic or, or Protestant. And um, yeah, it was very uh, religious. And it's only in the last few years that it really became secularized. Yeah. So there, also there's a whole question of, you know, what is spirituality in a secular institution? What does that mean? Exactly. <laughs> and yeah. that's just fascinating in itself, I think. Yeah. Um, because there's a lot of implications and what are we talking about? How is it different from psychology? How is it how is it its own thing? And I, I think we are collectively uh, redefining that for ourselves. I'm not sure there's one answer to that. Yeah. Um and so as a job it's it was super fascinating, interesting to to see how we are, you know, creating meaning and looking for some kind of transcendence, something mm -hmm. greater than ourselves. Um, and most often than not here in, in our context, in a non-religious way, I think, because a lot of people have been hurt by uh, their experiences um, or just have not, are not familiar with any religious traditions, but still have a longing for something mm -hmm. greater. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Yeah, so... Uh, and just before you answer that question, was it um, mainly a, a male-dominated sort of thing? You said a lot of priests came in, and, and I have... Um, I, I sort of grew up in the church, and my family has a background in that, and I know that my father would go in a company or, or sort of give blessings, and uh, and obviously there's not a lot of women that were priests, depending on what um, denomination they were. So, I mean, it must be really... F different as you say and changing that like a young woman comes in to this <laughs> yeah yeah it is it is odd yeah like, I mean in let's say for people who were raised uh in a really different context I, I yeah. remember um when I would show up let's say um on a unit and and there's mostly elderly people they would say okay well, well are you gonna call the priest because that's that's what we asked for and I'd say well actually I'm I'm the person I'm your, care. I'm your woman yeah. <laughs> and sometimes th there was uh, a bit of a hesitation like well first of all you're young and secondly you're a woman so you're probably not in the right you know you probably don't know yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> um yeah. and it that was a very interesting practice for me to move through because at first you I could either take it as an insult you know and then uh be offended by that or or try to understand and together like move through that mm -hmm. and it didn't take so long with yeah. really most people to to kind of break 
break that idea or that ideal or that image let's say yeah. of what spiritual care is supposed to be or yeah. um and often I, I would basically understand my job as helping them find their own answer like yeah. I'm not here to to give you any answers at all but maybe to reflect a few questions together um to give space hold space mm-hmm. and um yeah yeah so how did you get into the work it's a funny thing because I was never planned I never right planned. that was another question I was like was that the plan <laughs> no at all I was first I was interested a lot in spirituality and in understanding different forms of spirituality mm-hmm. um and then I was very interested in health and uh, caregiving mm-hmm. and I remember speaking to a professor when I was doing my master's and I asked him um what were you doing your master's in um actually I had just started doing okay. a master's in theology okay because of my interest for and I asked him you know what what could I focus my research on because I have you know I'm interested in you know caregiving and spirituality and and he said well in palliative care they have the holistic model of health oh, wow. and that which is different from you know curative models or allopathic models and on other units and so palliative care has a different approach to medicine to care wow. and it it has a spiritual dimension okay and he said, if you want to study you know, spirituality in the context of health, palliative care is a really interesting uh, direction to take. Um, and I'm like, well, isn't that death? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Like, I'm young and I'm scared and I'm, I've never, like, never seen that before, you yeah. know, because we're completely disconnected. Oh, yeah. I mean, even as a kid, it was like, uh, we were almost, like, protected from that. Yeah. You know, we mustn't, yeah. like... <laughs> and it was such a dark dark sad sad thing right yeah tragic and that's scary yeah yeah very scary and something that happens to other people you know yeah. not ever to, not to you or anyone you love <laughs> or, yeah yeah and um and he said well there's a there's a, a private palliative care home called Michel Sarrazin mm-hmm. in Quebec City where I was doing my my master's and he said why don't you uh check it out you know go see maybe you could volunteer a couple times see if you and I was like super scared because I, I thought like, what if I like throw up? I don't know because I'm so scared. Like, yeah. how, how, how also do you say? Yeah, yeah, um, exactly. And you're dealing with people that are so vulnerable. You don't want to misstep because it's the moment that they will remember for the rest of their lives. Like exactly. Yeah, that's like so much pressure. I felt a lot of pressure, a lot of fear, a lot of anxiety, and and um, when I went to the the palliative care home. I was lucky enough to be in an amazing environment. That's it's a beautiful environment, mm-hmm. and it's mostly run by volunteers. Mm-hmm. And um, and I started volunteering very slowly, like once a week, a few hours, and and it just demystified mm. all these fears or all these ideas that we you know stick on to death or stick on to you know terminally ill people like if they're not people anymore mm-hmm. <laughs> like if they have nothing to contribute when they have the most to contribute yeah. actually yeah and uh, it's connecting with the people as people as people who have so much to say and give and remind mm-hmm. us and me um it that's just another kind of beauty that i was i think privileged to connect with and discover mm-hmm. um 
that's not it's not the kind of beauty that we are I think socialized to <laughs> appreciate yeah. but it's the one that I think really changed my perspective yeah and so from then on I, I started getting more and more interested and I continued my studies in that specifically and then I worked in that wow in a public hospital where you have another layer of pressure oh man <laughs> I can yeah I can imagine just really quickly you were talking about um different sorts of approaches to to the varying uh cares so you said that pa- uh, palliative care had a had a more holistic and then you said allopathic can you just like whiz through those what those mean really uh, quickly sure very quickly well in palliative care um it's not a curative model so you're not trying to cure the illness right. so you're really palliate palliating your your it's comfort care so it's um doing your best to help the patient be comfortable to feel the less least amount of pain possible and have right. a good quality of life and so you have what's defined as the biopsychosocial spiritual model of care Um, On other units, it's mostly an allopathic model, which is a biomedical approach to health. And it's it targets more systems. So you have specialists who really uh, aim to cure and and fix a specific ailment Um, doesn't mean that uh, they they can't work together. And that's also another myth, because some people think palliative care is just for people who are dying or it's going to actually kill you. Right. (laughs) Some people have that fear. Yeah. Um, it's just a different approach and yeah, on other units, it's more curative and yeah. Okay, cool. Thanks for yeah. <laughs> just talking me through that because I know nothing. <laughs> Where, what was your relationship to death before you started that? And, and, and also like your, your own view on, on spirituality before you started, where were you at? Oh, those are really good questions. Um, Actually, death was something I was so scared of. And since I'm a child, mm-hmm. I remember being constantly... I was one of those weird kids who was like... you know, I don't know if you know any of these kids, but they, they, they always think they're going to die. Oh, yeah. I've heard that from friends being like, I've been aware of my own mortality. Like, yeah. Since like way too young. It's a form of anxiety. Like, yeah. 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 It's, I, I think, yeah, it's like a, a way that it expresses itself and... I probably saw like Casper the ghost when I was like, very young and I yeah. thought like he's a young boy and he died then he became a ghost and that might happen to me. I could die too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I I became a little like uh, yeah, just I became very scared of that and was it to, like an obsession almost? Almost just trying to make sure I would avoid it. Wow, <laughs> that you wouldn't die. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It, it, I don't know. I was so scared and so scared anyone I knew it was going to die mm. and and that's definitely like a form of anxiety. And yeah. Yeah, I definitely had that if my mom went out to to do an errand and she would come back like say 2 hours later like got caught up. I would just like sit by the window waiting for her car and I, I, there were times where I was certain that she had gotten into a car accident. Like yeah. yeah. And that would that would happen often like where I'd feel anxious about that. I still have a little bit of that for the with the people I love. For me, like car accident is a thing. I don't oh, know, yeah. but like, yeah, it's it's uh, you really have to talk yourself down from it. Isn't it interesting? That right? Yeah, like yeah. how it expresses itself in different ways. Yeah, these fears, these uh, yeah insecurities we all have. I think uh, yeah. So it was something um, a big fear and spirituality was. I grew up in a, a religious family, so. There was always a, 
uh, we'll go to church on mm-hmm. Sundays. Um, and um, it was kind of always there. But I had, um, I was also very curious. So I was constantly asking questions. Like, for example, when we would say, you know, God is the Trinity. Mm-hmm. I remember very young, I was like, no, what is, how can one person be three people? <laughs> like, someone explained this to me. Yeah. <laughs> and my parents were like, can you relax? <laughs> Go watch Inspector Gadget and, yeah. like, chill out. Yeah. You're five. <laughs> wow. <laughs> this is wow. weird. Handful. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and I remember I was reading, like, books when I got a little bit older and trying to understand. And, of course, I think, like, any teenager i don't know if you experienced this but you know you have this kind of rebellion against these religious structures and yeah yeah kind of i mean i I was i was a good kid but sundays instead of going to church were a big hangover for years (laughs) type of thing and yeah i definitely i don't know if i rebelled overtly but i was definitely trying to figure out what this all meant to Mm. me and what the point was Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Eh? I guess it's a it's a normal questioning period, and it's a good it's a good one. Yeah, yeah, it's necessary. I remember, I had just said, you know, this makes no sense. Like, <laughs> that's enough. And um, and then I I got very interested in other forms of spirituality from other countries, other places, mm. other. Um, so that was fascinating to me. Um, and after that, uh, I, I definitely experienced the sort of um, coming back to my own faith mm-hmm. um, through readings of different spiritual, like uh, there's St. Francis of Assisi. Mm-hmm. And I remember his life story had just left a huge uh, influence on me because mm-hmm. um, I loved nature and I loved sort of non-conventional ways of of living that yeah. spirituality and i found he, he was very interesting and through his story I, I started thinking well maybe there are some cool things i can yeah and a lot of the times when when i read up on spirituality or or just talk about it or think about it everyone is just trying to figure out the same thing like yeah. our reasons for being and how and like you said how to transcend and how, and I guess the difference is is how that's communicated to the world, essentially. I think. Yeah. A lot of the times, yeah. it's a really good way to see it. And how can we live in a way that that has meaning to us? In a way, I feel like all all religions and all forms of spirituality, kind of, if you like, really boil it down to the finest, finest like molecule. That's essentially everyone's asking the same question. Yeah. Yeah. Really. Yeah. And it's so fascinating in the context of end of life because how it translates, it's it's always translates into relationships. Whether the person is uh you know, practicing Buddhist or, or, you know, hardcore Catholic or even atheist, like at the end of life what seems to matter a lot is are these relationships, who they're leaving behind and who they're going to meet. Who huh. like who's on the other side already that they, wow. they talk about. And I think a lot of the religious language and s- symbolism and is, is to help us make sense of these relationships um, mm. to each other, to, to, to the world around us, to the unknown, like wow. all these different types of relationships. 
What is your relationship to death now? Are you still that fearful little <laughs> kid? It's like obsessed with um, not dying. I'm not as as scared. Um, definitely feel like a lot more. Um, I feel like it's more of a natural uh, experience mm-hmm. because I've seen it happen so many times. Yeah. And I've touched it and I've, you know, we used to give baths to the patients at the, where I was volunteering and, um, and I remember after they had passed or yeah, we would, we would wash their bodies and, and that just kind of made me feel my own finitude, my own mortality. Yeah. Um, your own matter in a way like, yeah. 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 And I think I'm a little bit less scared, but I, I don't think I'm like a, you know, like, yeah, yeah, I got this. <laughs> I got this huge mystery. Like, <laughs> yeah, no, I figured it out. Guys. Yeah, definitely. Like, and I'll, I'll only know once I'm really there. I think that's also another thing I've witnessed is we often think we know just like motherhood or, or any other experience. But when you're really giving birth or when you're really holding your baby or when you're really on your deathbed or when you're really uh, the day after you got married or like all these things that you only know when you're there yeah uh, but we could have ideas yeah and feelings about it um but now i'm just more aware of the fact that i don't know and i'm just don't need to know so yeah. i feel more relaxed in that sense that's good that's a good way to live <laughs> yeah <laughs> yes yeah <laughs> feel more chilling like <laughs> yeah yeah um what um what have you witnessed or seen in that work that that has challenged you and also on the flip side that's inspired you like you've just seen I mean I don't know hundreds of people dying and and then like all the relatives and and probably like accidental deaths and and also long-term illnesses like yeah is there anything that sort of jumped out at you or in in ways that have challenged or inspired you it's a really good question um I think what sometimes what's been difficult has been sitting with the other person in in, in a feeling of absurdity and feeling like this doesn't make any sense. When you say the other person, do you mean the person dying? Yeah, the dying person in their hospital room and just, let's say, someone who still had many years ahead of them, Mm. still had so many dreams. And it's been kind of sitting in that with, with the person that has been was very difficult um, because I mean quickly understood that you don't you, there's nothing you can say to to make sense of it so that's yeah. put that aside now yeah. now it's about being present to each other and seeing well how do we make the best of these last moments yeah and then that has also been the most inspiring because through that sitting with it, came uh, the most amazing conversations, the most real mm. connections, most intimate, like so, 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 so intimate. I yeah. feel like I was so close to these people that I didn't know mm-hmm. at all. And that inspired me a lot to see how how deeply you can connect with a stranger mm-hmm. and how similar we all are. Yeah. So that was uh, both difficult tragic and beautiful and inspiring 
Yeah. Yeah. That's incredible. No, not many people go through that, even with their, their closest person, you know, and, and for you to have done that with complete strangers, like it's just, I, I mean, this is why I want It's just so fascinating. It's why I wanted to have you on. Cause there's, there's like, whether or not you feel it, I just, I just feel like there's, there's a certain insight that you get in death. And, and there's also, there's also like, um, you know, there's these surveys where people go around and they talk to the elderly and they're like, you know, what would you tell the younger people in your life? Or like, what are the things that you regret? Like the top 10 list and stuff. But, and that's not necessarily my next question, but it's more so what, what's the most common theme that has come up from someone dying and, mm. and lessons. And cause I'm sure many people have said the most beautiful things just in, in like the, the clarity that they may have at that time. I mean, I don't know, maybe they don't have the clarity, but yeah, how often they do. Um, I always see them as having like already one foot on the other side. Right, yeah. Like one foot here, which is kind of like the, you know, understanding of, of what a, sh- a shaman is. Uh, yeah, yeah. As someone who, who has kind of a foot in each world. Yeah. And uh, for me, the, the, the people that I would accompany were basically my teachers. Mm. And I would approach them like that. Um, and they all had, you know, they all had their own insights and their own specific, uh, unique touch. Yeah. Um, but I guess what, how I've received or interpreted their insights, it's, it's always right. Like I have my own lens. So I've, I think the way that I interpreted a lot of those, um, moments in those conversations were around, um, the fact that really what matters are, are the, are the people that we love and, Mm. and what matters is, is how, how well we've loved. Mm -hmm. And I just remember sometimes I'd go to work and I was pissed because this person did that to me. I like in my life, my friends or my, whoever around me disappointed me and I was upset or, and I always remember leaving work with such a tender heart, like after talking with, with the different patients and, just made me understand that what matters is how much and how well you can love. Mm-hmm. That sounds so cliche because that's what everyone <laughs> says, but it's just so true. Yeah. Um, at least that's, I mean, there are many other insights in, but I think that's to me what seemed to, to, to stick to out. Resonate. Yeah. And then there's our own journey. I think, um, learning to sit with the pain and not try to solve it. Yeah. Um, and then seeing how different people move through that. Yeah. How would, what were your account? Like, I'm, I'm sure it's different every single time, but your encounters with the family and the, the loved ones going through that, through death as well. It seemed like often it was harder for the family than for the patient, right? right. Often the patient, at some point was ready at some point. Um, and the family like had surrendered to the fact that this is happening. Yeah. yeah. And often it's due to actual physical exhaustion and yeah. pain. Just, yeah. okay, this is, this is enough, you yeah. know? And it's always harder, I think for, for the family to let go, mm-hmm. which makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Um, and we would have rituals with, with the families around, around the patient. And I would, something that I learned was just 
you know, why are we all crying right now? You know, because there was a lot of crying and a lot of emotion. And I just remember it clicking more and more that they're crying because they they realize how much they love this person. Mm. It's not so much because this is so unfair and they shouldn't, you know, we should be mortal. Like, (laughs) but it's, it's, it's more just like, wow, I really love you and I'm going to miss you. Yeah. And, and I just can't like believe how, you know, how crazy this journey has been, how much we've been through together. Uh, And often we would share. So I would invite each person to say a word or quality or what the patient has left in their heart or, or how like how they're how they're going to continue to be alive in each person wow and i found that like so moving that was my that was that's my... so moving i can't <laughs> like <laughs> wow it's yeah. yeah it's very intense yeah how would you like are you a crier and how would you keep it together because i like i am a huge crier like I (laughs) probably cry every single day for for nothing and for multiple reasons and and that's fine with me but um it just just envisioning that I'm just like I can't I can't yeah (laughs) how did were you able to hold it together uh in the beginning I would cry with the family and I would sweat a lot because <laughs> oh wow. I was like nervous and like, wow. holy crap, this wow, is that's important. that's so interesting how your body reacts. <laughs> yeah. Fear response. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Um, and, then, and then with experience, I was able to, um, yeah, I don't know. I was able to really stay very, very calm. And um, it's almost like I would put put those emotions at the door and I would enter and try to really be as quote-unquote empty as possible and just hold the space for them it wasn't yeah. about me it wasn't anyway. about you yeah. yeah which was a really great practice also yeah. because i think in for young women <laughs> we're often also socialized to think it's all about us you know mm-hmm. and and that has been for me a, a challenge like in my personal life to just be like no no <laughs> and also what do you think you are even Anyways, yeah we'll yeah. get into that but like um yeah crying uh yeah towards towards uh the last few years i was i wouldn't cry um and there was even a moment where i got desensitized yeah and i, I wouldn't feel ask you that, yeah cause... i wouldn't feel i and that's another issue i think in as a care provider often we become we could easily become desensitized because you just see it over and over and you're like okay mm-hmm. here we go again yeah, yeah. And it loses its uh, impact or its... Yeah. Yeah. What was a... I'm sure they're all different, so there may not be a typical sort of day, but what was a typical day like for you? So I would would go... We had a little office with our computers and, you know, check emails. So we were... We would usually be three three people in spiritual care at the hospital where I was working. And we would check our emails. We would discuss a little bit. And then I would usually go to the chapel and try to kind of set an intention for the day. Mm-hmm. And we have little pagers because they're, mm-hmm. they're still our pagers now <laughs> at the hospital. <laughs> wow. And one of the three people was on call. So basically, if anyone died suddenly or there was an emergency, they would, they would contact you and you would have to be available and go right away. Otherwise, we had our assigned units and my assigned unit was palliative care. Okay. So I would go... And I would uh, either continue the 
accompanying the patients I had already seen or introduce myself to new patients. Um, and what I had to learn, which was steep learning curve, was to set my own boundaries and limits because you can think, you know, you can think you're capable of more than you actually are. Yeah. And so I had to cut down the amount of patients I would see just to have better accompaniment, yeah. better presence. Yeah. Um, so that the, the time when I did get a little insensitive and overwhelmed was because I was just one after the other. And so I, I, I cut that out and <laughs> I would see a few and then I would go back uh, to the chapel or I would go take a walk outside or I'd write. Mm-hmm. Um, then I would go see a few more and then... And when you would go visit and, and see them and accompany them, you weren't giving medical care. No. Um, what, like, what was the sort of like on the grounds? Like, were you talking to them? Were you just sitting with them, talking with the family? And so that's the big challenge. And that, that's what I think in spiritual care, we have to be careful about <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> is that um, there are no specific tasks so it's very easy to be huh. confronted to like a powerlessness and to feel like I can't do anything here. Like mm. this, this is an absurd situation. Um, Why am I here? They don't yeah. need me or yeah. they don't want me here. Yeah. In yeah. a highly technical environment yeah. where it's, you know, it runs on like efficient protocols, you know, that's what a hospital is. And, and here you are like sitting with someone chatting. Yeah. So what? <laughs> yeah. Then I, I slowly understood that. It's the, the power of presence. Mm-hmm. And often it, that's, that's what the patient needs, you know, uh, in those moments, in those critical moments, and the family too, mm-hmm. is have someone there that can really hold that space and offer that, um, yeah, I think that sort of like neutral space where, where the people can express themselves. And um, Did you ever have patients and families who didn't want you there? They oh, didn't yeah. want someone they didn't know? Often. Them? Oh yeah, yeah. And do you just go? Oh yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah, You're not like, wait, that. guys, just no, yeah, no, no, yeah, no. yeah, yeah. That's the... <laughs> sometimes I say hi. I'm uh, you know Valerie from spiritual care. No, you know I don't want to hear anything about that. Or the patient could could start screaming, get out of here, like oh, wow. because of whatever experience they've had. Yeah. It's like, okay, no problem. And towards the end, at first I was like, oh my god, they hate me. Yeah. You know. <laughs> yeah, it's me. It's me. <laughs> yeah. And towards the end, I would I would sometimes laugh. I'm like, yeah. I get it, like, spirituality, what what does that even mean? And then sometimes we would chat about that. And then it became more of a, you know, I don't know if we'd, we'd call that spiritual accompaniment, but in a rencontre, an encounter with someone. Yeah. And, uh, and I really liked those. I really liked meeting patients and families who were just, like, pissed, you know, and mm-hmm. and just seeing, oh, you know, what's what's happening? What What is it? And it's just as interesting and valid as... Any other? Absolutely. Any other encounter that yeah. you might be having. Yeah. So you've you've taken a break uh, this year from from the work, um, and I mean, I think I can see why. But what <laughs> what was it particular to to you that you felt like you needed to take a break? I felt like I got a bit. Um, I don't know if it's worn out or. I felt like I needed to recharge. And that takes time. Yeah. Um, because it's very demanding, I think, to get into that place of, of, of presence and of that, that neutral, neutral 
neutrality and also putting yourself, you know, a bit on the side. Mm-hmm. Um, I realized that I had also disconnected from another part of myself mm. that needs different things. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I needed to take a step back and, uh, and recharge. And also because there are personal, uh, I experienced personal grieving in my own, in my own life. Mm-hmm. Um, and had experienced very you know traumatic event, and I felt like I, I couldn't be present to my own self yeah. healing and uh, and at the same time provide uh, that constant sort of work. Yeah. Did so, you find yourself ever getting like nearing the end of uh, when you before you took the break? Did you find yourself getting bitter at the fact that you were there accompanying other people, but you were really the one that needed that presence and yeah. like res- a little resentful? Like, what about me? <laughs> <laughs> well, s- strangely, I would start the day like that. And then sometimes the the patients would give me all the answers. Like the, it's, it's really a give and take. Like I, I understood that I'm not... Uh, I'll give and then and then they'll give and then I'll take and they'll take and it becomes a an encounter so it's it's different from other I think care provider where you know they come and they fix your problem and um I just felt like a like it got heavy yeah like it was it was a lot of give and take and I needed just to kind of empty out some yeah. it's kind of like the image I had is it's kind of like you know those great movies that are that just capture you and and you, and you feel it and you're just like oh my god what a beautiful movie what a sad movie but and then it's like if you watch like six of those every day you know, oh yeah at some just, point you're like fuck like you're just totally, totally drained yeah. Yeah. yeah and so I felt like I was so I needed to kind of stop watching those those <laughs> those movies yeah take a little step back and and probably come back with some more tools strength maturity you know mm-hmm. from other experiences do, do you when you're in the work do you have sort of any therapy that's offered to you like do you do that so that's mm-hmm. lacking in the field oh, wow. interesting is, yeah which is pretty sad like you're all human yeah. <laughs> like we don't know yeah as much as anyone like yeah we're probably just maybe a little bit healthier for now but like yeah we're all on the same yeah we're all in this same weird place of like, mm-hmm. what is this? But um, no, that's lacking. And that's something we need to really develop. Um, but I would have uh, therapy I would go to every week. Okay. And try to m- not mix my personal story with the stories I was hearing. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Which I think in any care provider, you have to make sure you do. Yeah. So what are you working on now? So you're not, so you've, you're on this break. You don't know if you're going to come back to it. You may or may not type of thing, or do you have yeah. a, I'll see, hmm. uh, maybe later and, uh, in a, in some years. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. yeah. It's going to take some time. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it's since 2010. So it was a oh, good, wow. good stretch. I was yeah. immersed in that. Yeah. Uh, both academically and, and, uh, you know, experientially and mm-hmm. clinically. And so now, um, took a little step back and I'm doing research okay and I'm also uh working in an ethics uh, center wow and and look so it's kind of looking at those questions from another perspective okay um and looking at the structures how how are we organizing yeah wow and what's the research that you're doing can you talk about it or um it's like it's I'm defining it as 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 you go along yeah Yeah. um it's an ethics 
Um, and I'm really interested in how we are how we integrate innovation in healthcare. Wow, um, that's really interesting. And you probably have a very just with what you've been through a very different perspective, a different insight on that. That like there's an end to all of this, exactly. and how can we like how can we build infrastructures or or environments that I guess keep that in mind and 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 help to support people that's exactly yeah you hit it right on it's a basically um at the core the question is what what is the role of medicine and at the core of that question is what does it mean to be human wow because do we extend life at any cost you know and is is medicine there to are we trying to create the immortal human are we trying to also stretch our lifespan um, is that the goal? And if it is, why? And if yeah. it's not, why not? And those are questions I think are very interesting. And the way we frame innovation often reflects our, our either denial of death or like our embracing of it or, you yeah. know, and so I definitely want to, I don't, I don't like the idea of a, a determinism and just saying, well, we can't do anything anyway. So let's <laughs> it's just all <laughs> fucking <laughs> smoke and drink and <laughs> Sometimes you know, I like, feel like that. Yeah. But sometimes but, yeah. you need sometimes you need to do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it's cool. Yeah. You know. But other times it's 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 nice to move you know, try and move forward and try to develop, you know the, you know, improve society and improve who we are and the direction we're going in. But keep in mind that that maybe mortality is not the enemy, basically. Yeah. And is is mortality the enemy of medicine? I don't know. Right. Interesting. Are we fighting this, you know, like these, like, fuck cancer? Like, I get it. At the same time, is that really what we're, what we want to be saying, you know? Um, yeah. What's the enemy? Do we, do we have to have an enemy? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And what if all these things maybe are actually gifts where we can learn how to live better lives and foster relationships that are meaningful and... Yeah. 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 Wow, that's really interesting. Yeah, wow. it's interesting. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And you're also a singer songwriter. Yeah, yeah. I was listening to your beautiful music before you got here. Thanks. It's really gorgeous. Thank you. How how is that sort of like your creative outlet? You're channeling your. Is it inspired by some of the work that you've done? Yeah, I think the work that I've done in a way uh, breaks open certain parts of myself, and then I think that's where a lot of writing and and songwriting can happen from a from a place of vulnerability mm-hmm. um you yeah. know we, we have the editing brain who says i shouldn't feel this or yeah. or don't say it like that or yeah. this sounds this sounds bad you know but then when you contact that vulnerable place you, it just wants to be heard and it just needs to come out and for me songwriting is a way to make it make whatever whatever is there beautiful mm-hmm. or try to mm-hmm. try to honor it yeah um and so that's my, my music practice is kind of, yeah. At the moment, as we speak, what makes your life meaningful? Oh, <laughs> interesting. Yeah. Ah, uh, what makes my life meaningful? That's actually what I'm asking myself as we like transition into the new year. Mm. I'm trying to reprioritize. So I'm in the process of like looking at what matters and and maybe doesn't matter anymore and I think we're all kind of in that often at the end of the year we're in that sort of yeah reflection mode yeah yeah. 
shifting thing. It's good. So yeah, I think I'm I'm reflecting on that. Um, yeah, I, I I definitely think nurturing my close friendships and the people that I love um, is so important. But also developing like the that drive. I, I don't know if you feel this in your own craft, but you have that drive to really just create the best work you can. Yeah. You know? Well, I think for me at the moment, it's just, just create. And like you said, let the editing mind go out and just create because, um, and there's so many inspirations that I take from people that are successful, but they definitely had moments where they weren't good and they weren't, uh, you know, they thought that everything they did was bad, but they did it anyways. Mm. And then they came up with something and, and so at the moment it's the, the drive to create that's awesome. Regardless. <laughs> that's so good. Yeah. That's really, yeah. yeah. That's really insightful. Yeah. It's true. Just to keep, keep it going, keep it. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of that has to do with, uh, with, um, well, like you say, prioritizing and knowing yourself deeply enough to, to know what parts of like, to know those tender parts and they're not bad and, mm-hmm. and they're, they're there to. I mean, on a good day, they're like I feel like they're there to serve you, and on a bad day, I'm like, no, like, but ultimately they they're there, and like you say, they're meant to be honored. But you have to know yourself well, so you have to do things that feed you and, and nurture yeah. you and listen to yourself and stuff. So, yeah. and the challenge is not to project those on other people. Exactly, which I yeah. I got pretty good at. Yeah. <laughs> like, how could yeah. you do this? How could you say that? But yeah. the real thing is like you're feeling this like awful thing inside. Yeah. And it's you, it's yours. <laughs> it's yours. It's yeah. 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 So one last uh not so much a question, but can you complete this is something I ask all of my guests. Can you complete the sentence with one word, if possible? Uh Val is a vehicle for that's a good question. <laughs> Val is a vehicle for... Don't think too much. Yeah. Uh, it's going to sound corny. Go for it. Super corny. I, nothing's too corny. I don't want to say it now. You have to say it. <laughs> I, I'm a fan of tenderness. Is that what you're going to say? Yeah. That is not corny <laughs> at all. I thought you were going to say like love. <laughs> tenderness, that's gorgeous no one has said that on the podcast oh okay that's beautiful that's what i've received and that's what i feel like i've i want to give back and i think it's what a lot of people need mm, i think so at, at, you know not just at the moment but all the time i think so i love that val no thanks <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much for thank being you. on the podcast it was fun